Let's go, girls. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> and Sky Neller, our producer, knows how to bring me onto the air with a little Shania Twain. Yeah, oh, man. She's so good. Hey, Mike O'Shea, are you a Shania Twain fan? I am, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Being a Northern Ontario boy, who you have to be. Wow, how could you not be? Do, yeah. you, do you still follow the Guelph Griffins and their fortunes? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I still have, uh, obviously, Dennis McPhee the defensive coordinator there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's he was my linebacker coach when I first started at, uh, well, or when I started at Guelph. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So you won another game on the weekend, 31-21. Coach O'Shea over the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, was that one of your toughest games of the year? Uh, yeah, it certainly was the first half for sure. Start of the second half, yeah, didn't look promising there for a second. You know, we gave up a, a long drive and a, and a score. But um, our guys showed good resilience, um, you know, got it out and kept on working, kept on playing and ended up getting a 10-point win. So um, it certainly – it's good for that to happen right now, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Was it good to deal with a little adversity, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Guys, you know, they have to really look at how they reacted throughout the early part of the game. And um, if there was anything that they'd like to change, then they got time to do it. Yeah. One of the things you said to me earlier today when we did the Daily Coaches show that I found interesting, you said uh, it'll be good for the players or something along these lines, good for the players now to kind of think about what they were thinking at the time when they were down by seven in the third quarter. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, there's obviously, um, I would say the majority of our guys that, you know, that were with us in 2019 have been through, uh, you know, a bunch more adversity than we faced this year. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's the guys that haven't been around that have to sort of check their sort of thoughts and inner voice for validity and, you know, um, check their emotions and those type of things uh, as the game went on. But uh, certainly the vets, you know, I believe that they – they felt they were still in the game and, and it was a matter of time before they were going to take control. So the drive where Zach Kolaris hit Drew Wolitarski for the uh, touchdown that tied the game, refresh my memory, I think you guys went into a hurry-up or tempo offense during that drive? Yeah, we just, we just uh, you know, Buck started calling some tempo plays and, and moving the ball. I believe that is the drive, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you don't do that very often, but I, I assume then Buck felt it was a time for something different that would, I don't know, throw Montreal off or get you guys going. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, there's, I would say we've used it in the past a little more and maybe a little less this year. You know, I think in the last three or four years, we've tried to learn how to go really fast, and then we had to kind of learn how to go a lot slower. And now we've got, um, I would say, all sorts of of tools that we can use in-game. And it's just a matter of getting to them, right? Sometimes you're you're still investigating, I would think. You're still investigating uh, how the game plan is going to go and, um, you know, all of a sudden you try tempo and, and away you go right so yeah. it's um it is interesting I, I don't you know being in being a coordinator is not an easy easy job that's for sure right because you only got you got a certain number of plays and you're sort of trying to figure out which ones are working which ones aren't if you don't hit them right off the bat 
you know, you're still searching, right? So I think when we went to Tempo, it was it was the right time and, and it worked well for us. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that, too, is you don't have a lot of time to think about those calls. In the NFL, they have a 40-second clock. You guys have a 20-second clock. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, once once the play call is made, you know, and then you see the defense they're playing, you're probably already thinking of the next play call, right? Like where you're going down, the way your call sheet's organized, you're probably on to the next, okay, if we end up making the yards I think we're going to make, here's my next call, mm-hmm. here's my first down call, here's my second down call, you know, and you're, you're, you're probably in a rhythm by then as to which way you're going with it. Yeah. Uh, here's our first text of the night at 780-6868. By the way, the show's brought to you by DeKalb. Choosing canola seeds. Choose the calb, the seed for every season. Eugene Lewis had a pretty quiet night. Would you say, Coach O'Shea, that's due to what Winston Rose brings to the secondary? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's what the secondary, what their pass rush does. You know, I don't think it's ever really one guy. I thought we, we had pretty decent pressure. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think one of the part of their game plan was to try and run the ball like they always do. You know, they they like to run the ball. Um, you know, I know he's had some other big games, but uh, you know, it was good to face a receiver of that caliber. Obviously, uh, you know, I don't know that we shut him down completely, but anytime that happens, I think it's more of a, a full twelve man effort, right? Yeah, I know your defense doesn't like to give up a lot of rushing yards. Uh, William Standback touched them for just over a hundred. Uh, was that simply a matter of him being that good? Yeah, he's really good. Uh, you know, I don't know that we were really good in the first half in terms of our front. You know, we, he got a couple on us. But you look at the second half, and, and we limited him quite a bit. I think he had 31 yards in the second half mm-hmm. compared to 75 in the first, if, I, if I'm right about that. Um, you know, I I also... I don't know that we've ever set a number in terms of how many rush yards that's okay to give up, right? Like, we want to hold them, obviously. We don't want to give up any explosions. I think those are the plays that hurt us was in the first half on that one drive. We gave up an explosive pass and an explosive run. Mm -hmm. In the second half, to start that second half of that drive, we gave up, you know, explosive run, right? So it's... um, those are the ones you want to eliminate, but I, I don't know that there's a set formula that we have to hold them under a hundred or, you know, we hold them under 90 or whatever that is. I don't, I don't think there's that set number. And I, I know the defense doesn't really talk about it like that. Yeah. I had you for four, what you call explosion plays. One covered 34 yards, another 39, another 29 and another 20. So there's four of them. And, and yet the net offense for Montreal, their total yards in the game, 251 and that factors in team losses so that's a pretty good night's work yeah it's decent up until that first uh long drive they had uh you know started whatever six minutes in the or seven minutes in the in the second quarter uh, up until that point they only had 60 yards of offense so like again once again they hit an explosive pass and an explosive run mm-hmm. and then we're down in there in the red zone to score right so up until that point you know so the first you know 15 19 whatever call it 20 20 so minutes they had 60 yards of offense um which is which is pretty good you know i don't think it was all bad in the in the first half it just didn't feel right and the mistakes we made were 
um, you know, they led to 14 points, right? Sure. Let's bring Gary on before we take a break. Gary from West St. Paul. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, hi, guys. Great character win uh, on Saturday. Uh, we all know the Bombers have first place sewn up. Bob's mentioned it many times. Last time was 1972. 1972, the Bombers never made it to the Grey Cup. Hamilton Tiger Cats won. Oddly enough, that was Angela Mosk's last game in the CFL. What can you share with us as to the type of person Angela Mosca was? <laughs> yeah, I got asked this question before. You know, being traded there in my draft year, like, so starting my first year there, Ange was always around, and I just, everybody revered him, obviously. Uh, if you knew anything about the CFL and growing up, uh, you know, watching the CFL as a fan, and, you know, you know who Ange Mosk is, and especially around Hamilton. But the one thing that that I said to Sarah Orleski, when he would come talk to me, he would start by, you know, pat me on the back and then put his arm around you. And he was just a massive man. But that pat on the back, he could put ribs out just with that little <laughs> slap he'd give you on the back with his hands were so huge. And he was such a powerful man. So I, I just, I, you know, you couldn't wait for that. When Andrew would come around, I, you know, it got to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't wait for this little slap on the back right from him. And, you know, you never get one again, and it's just uh, one of those things I always remember about him. Yeah. What about you, Bob? Well, I spent quite a bit of time around Angelo Mosca over the years. I started covering the CFL in 1973, which would be the year after he retired. Um, he was a gregarious, charismatic individual, unlike many that I have crossed path, paths with in the CFL uh, he always had a smile for you. I mean, he looked like a big, mean guy, but he wasn't. He was, once you got to know him, he was he was a fun guy. He liked to laugh. Uh, he liked to have a good time, I can tell you that. He was at more than a few Grey Cups that I was at. And, uh, and then he had that punch-up with Joe Cap in 2011 at the Grey Cup game, which <laughs> made him more famous, I think, than perhaps Oddly he was. Oddly enough, that was that. <laughs> event was for charity yeah i know <laughs> and it just went out of control yeah it was too bad i urge really. your listeners to maybe go on youtube and google angela mosca yeah and watch this the it's amazing when he talks about coming to hamilton his first contract was for twelve thousand five hundred dollars with a five thousand dollar signing bonus right and in 1958 the average wage in canada was thirty nine hundred dollars you could buy a house for that in 1958. So yeah. when we think nowadays, you know, players making 200000 you know, good uh, all-star players, they, you can't buy a house with $200,000 nowadays. Yeah, I've heard a lot of the stories from uh, the bombers of the 50s and 60s about the salaries, you know, eleven, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000. But you're right. Uh, that was big money back then. And, they paid uh, more than the NFL. Yeah, that's right. They did. Yeah. Hey, Gary, thanks well, for the he call. He was a great guy yeah. and a great ambassador for the CFL in Canada. We're all going to miss him. He sure was. Thank you, Gary. He was larger than life, wasn't he, Mike O'Shea? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 780-6868. We'll be back for more of your phone calls and texts. It's the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea on 680-CJOB. And it's brought to you by DeKalb. Choosing canola seed, choose DeKalb, the seed for every season. A text from uh, a texter saying, Hi, Mike. This question is for Bob. 
<laughs> I realize it takes a lot to publish a book. Maybe you should update Blue and Gold. Well, I tell you what, maybe I will when I don't have much to do. We'll see about that down the road. Coach, the Montreal game was very entertaining. Seems we struggled into the third quarter. Comments, please. Uh, fourth quarter was terrific, and this is from a gentleman named Bob. Mike? Yeah, I don't know that we struggled necessarily. Um, like I said, we you know, we gave up one drive in the first half that resulted in a score. Other than that, the defense was pretty good. Um, we fumbled in the first half that led to their score. Um, you know, and we still scored, what did we score, a touchdown and a couple field goals? Uh, was that in the first half? Anyway, we're 14-14. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't know necessarily that we struggled. I, I don't know that it looked the same as some of the other games we've played. Um, but we did believe that Montreal was going to be a, a tough opponent that, you know, defensively they present some challenges and, and they get after it quite a bit up front, you know, against some other teams are coming into this game. They've had, you know, 20 odd sacks in three games. So, um, we held them to one sack, but they did get, you know, some pressure on us and, you know, we had to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly and, um, I think it just took uh, a while to get part of the plan going and get some field position and score some points. But, you know, we I guess we probably weren't used to or fans aren't used to being tied going in at the half. That's for sure. That's true. You've set the bar really high. Here's one from Richard. Uh, he says Montreal looks like a clone of the Bombers. And he was impressed with Jake Thomas and Steve Richardson. And how could he not be, Mike, right? Yeah, they they were sensational. Jake had a couple sacks. Stove got in there, had one, and and you know wreaked havoc. Obviously, both guys inside were doing uh, getting tremendous push. Um, so they, they they were a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. Yeah, when uh, an offensive lineman, a center or a guard from another team lines up against Steve Richardson, that can't be a, a pleasant thought. No, I mean, that film travels, and, and you see a lot of old linemen getting tossed around. Um, you know, Stove sort of has certain technique where he, you know, can swat a guy out of the way, and Jake just uses this power that um, I, I don't think he gets underestimated by old linemen, that's for sure, because uh, you should see Jake and, Jake and Stove in the weight room. They are, they are unbelievable yeah. how strong they are. A text from uh, another fan saying, Coach, uh, why did you flip 45, DeAndre Alford, to the other side now? And so you put uh, Alford in the other corner and Winston Rose on his corner on the boundary side. He's wondering why you made that move. Well, once again, Winston Rose was an all-star corner, led the league in interceptions, uh, has done it a couple times in the past in the, into the boundary, right? So we wanted to put him back where he felt comfortable first and, and investigate that possibility. Um, you know, as we go along, there's still a few games left, so we'll keep uh, looking at things and seeing how they go and seeing if we have to make any, any changes. But DeAndre Alford, it should buy him more time as a, as a rookie in the CFL, and he was playing very well into the boundary, but um, we think he can do well in the field too, and it should actually, the throws take longer to get out there. It should buy some more time for him. And as we saw, he he had an interception there in the in the uh, 
latter going of the game, right in the late late in the game. So um, he's continued his good play. That's for sure. Probably should have been a pick six too. He stumbled and fell, or he's in the end zone, right? Probably, yeah. yeah. Harry, you're on the coach's show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Harry. Hello. Good evening, Bob. Yeah, and Coach O'Shea. Uh, my first question is, Mike, do you, you remember Kenny Plain? Yeah, I've met Kenny Plain. Yep, absolutely. You met him? Oh yeah. He was pretty good, eh? Oh, he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, first, congratulations, Coach, on the team that you put together this year. With my heart. Salvary end zone in early 60s. I was there. Before you, Bob. <laughs> yeah, early you 60s. You were well before me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, before you started with CJOB, and I've been yeah. listening to you guys for since then. Yeah, good. Listen, Harry, we appreciate the call. We're just about uh, pressed for time here up for a news break and then a sports update. Um, the Coach Show brought to you by DeKalb. Choosing canola seed, choose DeKalb, the seed for every season. 780-6868. We have questions about Adam Big Hill and what's Mike O'Shea going to do with his lineup leading up to the rematch with Montreal. And we'll get to those when we come back with The Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea on 680-CJOB. 780-6868 is the phone number and the text number. Here's one for you, Mike O'Shea. This is from Andrew. Not sure what it is, but this year it seems Adam Big Hill is really having more fun out there. He celebrates like a demon, hits even worse. Has he changed his approach this year? He may be our defensive MVP. Yeah, that's a great question for Adam. I, I don't think he has changed his approach. I think he was, uh, you know, he's been a top defensive player uh, for a number of years. Um, whether he wins the award or not, it's, you know, his play says he is, um, he's invaluable to us, you know, what he, the leadership he brings, what he does off the field as well, you know, in the meeting rooms and, uh, with the coaches. So how he, how he helps guys out on the field. I mean, he's, it seems like he does have fun playing football, but I think he has a lot of fun doing a lot of things he does. Uh, here's one from Michael in San Antonio. Hi coach. What do you have planned? for the team during the 14 days between your last regular season game and the Western final? Will you structure this period differently than a typical mid-season bye week? Uh, yes, it will be structured differently, but it'll be structured the same as the bye week we had in twenty at the end of 2019, basically. So I'd practice a couple of days, a few days off, practice again, that sort of thing? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, yep, that's okay. what it'll look like. Okay. They'll get some time, but... Uh, you know, they, they'll want to stick around and they'll want to, you know, stay together and they'll want to learn more about their opponents and, and do those things. Yeah. Okay. Brian, you're on the coach show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead. Hi, guys. Um, I have um, a couple more stats here and I have a question for you, Mike, at the end of that. So I looked into the, all the years and there was a couple other seasons that the Bombers had um, perfect home records in 1972 and 1984. And here's another stat I like. Stat, uh, since Zach has come here since 2019, he's still undefeated at home, which is great. And I went to the other extreme to see if the Bombers were ever winless, like the M10 are this year. And there's only a couple of times that they went 1-7. So my question to you, Mike, is do you think it's bad for the league, let's say a team like Edmonton or whoever, let's say they lose all their home games, is bad for the CFO? 
Um, I mean, every team goes through its its cycles of uh, you know ups and downs. Uh, yeah, I, I think parity is is good for the CFL. You know, closely contested, good football games is good for the CFL. I don't think you're going to get that every single year. Uh, I do think that Edmonton is a strong franchise historically. You know, they, they've won a lot of great cups. They've competed hard and, and well, and I think they'll get back on track very soon. So um, I do hope that's the case because I do think, you know, having every team be able to perform is, is good for the league. Okay, thank you. Okay, Brian, thanks for the call. Here's uh, a text question. Coach, are you getting the guys out practicing in the very poor weather we're supposed to be getting this Wednesday or Thursday? Absolutely. <laughs> See, that's easy. Yes. Are you, now, okay, are you looking forward to a storm on Wednesday? Because there could be a snowstorm. Now, I want an honest answer. I just don't want you to say you love the cold weather and it'll be good for you guys to get indoctrinated. Surely you don't want to see a storm, do you, Mike O'Shea? Well, <laughs> they're expecting a juggernaut of one, aren't they? 25, I heard massive yeah, amount of snow. Yeah. I tell you why, I'd like to hold it off for a day at least. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I've been tasked with sort of getting the outdoors around our house more prepared for winter, and I'm not quite there yet. So <laughs> well, I need another evening. Yeah, you know, if that was me, I'd just get busy for a couple of days, and then the snow would come, and I'd say, you know, I just I just never got around to it. Okay, question for you, Coach: When uh, Trevor Harris got sacked at two o three left in a half. Uh, Harris flipped out, passed the ball as he was going down. Should that not have been called for grounding? Hmm. Uh, I guess it depends on whether it crossed the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You know, if there's a receiver in the area or it crosses the line of scrimmage, then no, it won't be grounding. Uh, um, there was one play that he took exception to. Kyrie, uh, Kyrie Wilson laid a pretty good lick on him, but I, I've seen a still photograph of that and. It was a good, clean hit. There was nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Yeah, John is saying that the play he referenced there with Harris, they didn't even call it as an incomplete pass. And I am i can't remember it exactly, but if he flipped the ball before the whistle blew, they must have called it an incomplete pass. Yeah, I don't know which one he's referring to. But, yeah, if the ball left his hand, you know, before he hits the ground, it's a... Uh, and there was a person, a player in the area or across the line of scrimmage, it would be an incomplete pass. Sure. Yeah, here's a question from Mike. Hi, guys. Mike, would you please explain why we started the game kicking to Montreal and then kick to them again after halftime? I've asked several people, and no one seems to know. I've noticed this a couple of times this year. I'm assuming it has something to do with the wind. Yep, absolutely. Had had everything to do with the wind. We're tied. Um, y- you know, once again... Uh, deferring, if you win the coin toss and there is a reason to defer, whether it's weather or whatever it is, that reason is you believe, uh, deferring allows you all the choices in the, in the second half. It doesn't just mean that you're going to take the ball. So you can choose to kick, you can choose to receive, you can choose an end, you know, you have all the choices at your disposal. So I chose to keep the, keep, get the wind in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Normally, a team wouldn't want to kick off at the start of both halves. Are you comfortable with that because your defense is so good? Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't like when we kick off to begin the second half and they drive down and score. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that sort of defeats the purpose, I guess. But, yeah, you, you, you kick off believing that your your team's going to 
your defense is going to stop them. But it's not it's it's not the kickoff. It's not the start of the half that you think you, you just believe your defense is going to stop them most of the time, right? Whether it's that drive or not. So it's not that you know they scored at the opening drive of the second half wasn't. It was just displeasing that they scored, mm-hmm. right? The 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 root of it is you still want the wind in the fourth. So whether they score points in the in the third or not, you still want the win in the fourth. So that's, you know, you can't confuse all the issues, right? You look at them for what they are. You know, a player we haven't talked a lot about on the shows this year, uh, I think even on our pre- and post-game shows on CJOB, is Jonathan Kongbo. He had four tackles and a sack in the game against Montreal. He's really a, a key guy in that uh, six-man D-line rotation, isn't he? Absolutely. You know, uh, he... he he plays a lot for us. He always plays well. He he executes his assignment well, and he's he's tough. The one thing that you know, if you were to watch practice, you see how hard he runs in practice. Well, he does the same thing in the game. He is always pursuing uh, hard. He he beats a lot of people to the football, and it was nice for him to get rewarded with a sack. But he he does you know he is very sound and generates tackles and and makes plays. And sometimes, especially in the defensive front, not just not just Jonathan, but in the, in the whole defensive front, a lot of times the the plays they make don't result in a stat. Right? You know, if you mm-hmm. get double teamed or if they shut off an area and the ball has to go a certain way, you know, it has to go in a different direction that it wasn't intended to go. It ruins the blocking scheme. So he's he is definitely a force. Yeah, a key guy to get re-signed, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely for. For the way we wanted our roster set, when he finally said yes, it was just a great day for us. Yeah, and he, just for those who don't know, he is a Canadian. What about uh, another Canadian outstanding player, Pat Newfeld, who you moved out to right tackle when Jamarcus Hardrick got hurt. And um, how's he done out there? It seems like he can just slide over there and you don't miss a beat, Mike. Yeah, he's he's great. He He's played tackle before. He's He can play pretty well all over the offensive line. Um Always very, very smart, understands the, the game of football, how it's supposed to be played, understands our opponent, um, has really good vision to to what's coming in terms of uh, what the defense is presenting, you know, that day, um, communicates well, all the things you love about good offensive lineman, he's got it all. Yeah, and, and you know, we talk about stats often, in football and other sports as well. And sometimes your some of your defensive players uh, make plays, but don't get a lot of stats. So on Saturday night, Jackson Jeffcoat had one defensive tackle. That's it. And I watched the game again this morning, and he had what I would consider three or four, quote-unquote, disruptions. I think there should be a category for disruptions. <laughs> so talk a little bit about that, how guys, you know, when you scan the stats after, you say, oh, the guy didn't do anything. Well, that's not true. Yeah, absolutely not true in defensive football. Like, you know, offensive linemen don't get stats either, right? right. Yeah, but if, right. They, if your running back gets a ton of yards or a real high average per carry, yeah. you know the offensive line's doing well, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's the same thing defensively. The defensive players, they, they get it, right? When they watch the film, you'll hear them say, hey, great job to another guy who didn't get a stat, but once again, drew the double team or, you know, uh, forced the play a certain way or made the quarterback move and somebody else gets the sack. You know how many times 
Steve Richardson stove and Jake have pushed the pocket so hard in the middle, the quarterback has to move off the off his spot and gets closer to a defensive end who's just waiting there to get him, right? Yeah. Now we've got very good defensive ends that get upfield, but even then sometimes they don't get stats. Like you mentioned Jackson. You know, there was a couple games last year where Willie didn't register a stat, but you, you, know, you can't say that he wasn't, you know, uh, playing dominant football too, right? So yeah. it's it's – it's the play is the play. Defensive defensive players understand that. Who makes the play, and and the stat is just what you know. Especially defensively, that the tackle at the end of it is just the result of other guys doing their jobs too. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Willie Jefferson gets those arms up and you know throws a wrench into a, a passing play more often than we could possibly count, and that doesn't show up either. No, no, it doesn't. And, and they used to count pressures right yeah. uh, a few years ago, but they sort of took that stat out because it was just too too hard to say okay how many feet away does it does it does it have to be to you know be a pressure right they're trying to quantify that and it was really difficult so they took mm-hmm. that they took that out but absolutely our our players are are very disruptive up front and and they all do understand that that making the play doesn't necessarily mean generating a stat right uh, Ed has a question uh, my question for Michael Shea it seemed to me that the team laid back in the first half and then picked it up in the second. Is that how you describe it, Mike? Nope. <laughs> no, I don't think they lay back at all. I think Montreal's a good football team and um you know, we just didn't make the plays that, that we'd normally make on a few of the runs and uh Montreal made some plays that they've been making all year against other teams too. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I don't I don't think they, they laid back. I think they were in a tough football game, and they managed to prevail. Did you get any in, have any injuries the other night of any significance that you're aware of right now? Uh, no, I think we were fairly clean. What's the status of Andrew Harris? Will we see him before the end of the season, Mike? Yeah, that's the hope. Absolutely, that's the hope. You know, he just keeps on getting treatment and getting better, and and uh, it's going to be a process, that's for sure. But. Um, if he keeps working hard, we'll 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 see. We're we're definitely looking forward to his return. Yeah. So if he's declared uh, able to play by your medical people, you'll play him. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he's he's one of the best all time. Yeah. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick, how's he doing? Uh, doing better. Doing better. We'll see. You know, when he's available, but he's certainly um, making progress. That's for sure. I have a question here, too. What's the latest date the Bombers have ever played a home game? And I'd have to look that one up. I, I know people were telling me that way back when, before my time, there were some games in December. But uh, I don't know. I think this one, December 5th, might be might be the latest of them all. So we'll come back and talk about uh, the game in Montreal on Saturday, Mike, and re uh, your thoughts about your lineup might look, so I'll give you some time to think about that. The Coach's <laughs> Show is brought to you by DeKalb. Choosing canola seed, choose DeKalb, the seed for every season. We'll be right back with The Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea on 680 CGOB. And welcome back. 780-6868 is the phone number uh, and the text line. I just got a text saying, hey, Bob, when do you have to get your picks in for the outstanding players? I don't know. It'll be fairly soon. I'm not in charge of that. I'll be advised when we have to vote. I can tell you the voting's going to be tough for defense this year, big time. Uh, Coach O'Shea, do you think losing a game down the stretch would be a good thing for your team? <laughs> no. No, we, we, we don't. 
have to lose to to learn how to be better. That's for sure. But you know, we uh, we prepare every single week the same way. We we don't change our process. We stick to it. It's very consistent. I think the players like it that way. Yeah. Um, and we'll just continue that process. You know, as we go along. That's kind of a curious question, and I've heard it over the years asked of teams who are on a streak, and then somebody will say, you know, maybe it's a good idea for them to lose a game. And I've kind of, I don't know, is there anything to that in any situation, Mike, that you can see is losing ever good? Well, it depends on what you do with it. I mean, once again, there's there's lessons to be learned in every game and, and also from from other teams, too. We don't we don't just stick to you know watching film of just ourselves. We we'll watch things from from other teams and other situations and other scenarios and learn from them too, right? So, I think in any situation, it's really what you do with it. So win or lose, it's it's whether or not you're learning and improving and and getting getting better every single week. And and you don't necessarily have to lose to do that. You played your starters pretty well all the way uh, against Montreal last Saturday. What's going to happen this Saturday in Montreal? Well, we're going to show up and play a game. <laughs> I don't have our roster set yet. We we are still, um, you know, we got some time and we're still waiting to see uh, how everybody turns out in terms of health, see who we get back and what that does to our roster. And we'll we'll make some decisions going forward, but it's pretty early right now to make you know any any real roster decisions yeah are you tempted though at some point here to rest some guys i know we talk about this all the time i have to ask you this yeah if if they need it if they need it not not against it that's for sure um you know most guys prefer to keep playing how do you determine if they need it oh talk to the player talk to Al and and Al Couture and his staff uh, talk to the coaches. You know, it's a it's a group think kind of thing. And is it important to get Sean McGuire some playing time? Um. Well, I I think we know that he's quite a cap- capable player, right? So, uh, is it important? I think Sean would think so. I think it's it would be good to get him some snaps for sure. But uh, I th- I think Sean's quite capable of helping us win football games. Yeah, but you'd know more about him if you saw him play a bit, wouldn't you? Well, we you see his process every day, right? Like you see how hard he works, and when he goes in, and you watch him in practice, and and you know we. We practice hard against each other, and he's got to go through his reads. He's got to practice against our defense all the time. And then the other side of that is, would uh, you be better served if Zach Kolaris wasn't out there every play? And I'm not talking about in terms of the outcome of the game. You know what I mean. Yeah. um, Once again, these these are all decisions we'll have to make in the next few days, but right now we're just gathering information. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I got the answers I entirely expected to those questions, Mike O'Shea. <laughs> That's why I laughed before the break. You said, you know, think about the roster. We'll talk about it after. I yeah. kind of giggled. Like, I know the answers to the questions. Yeah, there were no surprises <laughs> in any of those answers. Uh, we're out of time. Uh, Mike, we're going to do this again 
next Monday after you play the Alouettes in Montreal Saturday afternoon. Do you like afternoon games? Uh, don't don't really matter when you we know, play, really. It doesn't... Uh, play at midnight in the North Pole and you're happy, right? Yeah, yeah. In a parking lot. All right. Without jackets. We'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mike. The Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea brought to you by DeKalb. Choosing canola seed. Choose DeKalb, the seed for every season. You heard it right here on 680 CJOB.